How are we all doing? As Sally said, you've probably noticed walking around the church now that it's starting to, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. So we were at youth on Friday and a couple of people, in fact, Aaron's got his Christmas jumper on, a couple of people had their Christmas jumpers on and Seth came home from shopping yesterday and he had his new Christmas jumper and I thought, oh, surely I can wear my Christmas jumper to come to church on Sunday. But I thought, nah, I can't wear a Christmas jumper. So I've decided to go one better. Decided not to wear a Christmas jumper, but just give me a minute. I decided to wear my Christmas suit jacket. What do you think of this? Who needs a Christmas jumper when you can wear a suit jacket? So I thought it was a bit more appropriate. So, but Christmas always to me sparks the same emotions, the anticipation for that perfect gift. That perfect gift that we wait for, that perfect gift, as Alan said, that he makes his wee airplane and he throws it away and it's got his 10 speed uh, bike. His, um, his little cowboy outfit that he was after. So that anticipation that we wait for, and that's my sermon today is called The Perfect Gift. So just before we start, I just want to pray. If you just want to bow your heads with me. <clears throat> Father, we just pray that as I stand here and as I share about your perfect gift this Christmas, Father, just that you'll use the words, you'll give me the words just to share that I can impact someone here and that they can leave knowing that Christmas is truly about you and that Christmas is truly about that perfect gift this year, Father. In your precious and mighty name, amen. You see, I, I grew up in a household where I had my brother and my sister and myself, and Christmas for me, me and my brother were very close. So we, you know, Christmas Eve, I would always sleep in his room and we would, it would all, I was the youngest brother, so obviously I had to go to his room. He would never sleep in my room. But we would go into his room and we'd always watch movies. We would always play the computer games. And what we did was we used to play the computer games in anticipation that the perfect gift with the new model, the latest edition of the game would be coming out for our Christmas list. We had it on our list, so we used to make sure that we had unlocked every level, that we had achieved everything we could in the game so that come the next morning, as soon as we get that new game, possibly, you never know, if we'd been good boys, we would get that perfect gift so we can race back upstairs and play with it. And I was always the first one to wake up at Christmas. My sister liked a long lie. Who, who likes a long lie on Christmas Day? What? Seriously? Oh, so I would always race through, batter my sister's door down and make sure she was up in time. But there was one Christmas that <clears throat> my brother and I realized, I was about 10, he was about 12, that we had an advantage. We were quite similar, he's two years older, but we combined our gift to get a big gift. Does anyone like big gifts at Christmas? So what we did was we wrote our list, we had all our regular gifts, but we decided, let's go big. Let's decide this time, we want the PlayStation 1. It had just come out. It would have been a big gift if one of us had asked for it. It would have been a no-no. But if we thought, surely if we combine it, that big gift just becomes 
a small gift to both of us. So we were anticipating it, we were excited, it would have been that perfect gift for us. So I remember cutting out the Argos catalogue, which I don't even know, does it still happen, Argos catalogue? So we cut it out and we knew exactly which one we wanted. It came with the, the racing game and the football game. We gave it to my dad as part of the list and we weighed in anticipation and excitement. The emotions were there, we were just, we were buzzing. We thought, we've never done this before. This is a big gift. Are we gonna get it? So Christmas morning came, we woke up. I woke up first. We ran downstairs with the family and I, I don't know how other people do it, but in my house, I know Hannah's family did it differently because it was the first time I found out about it. But what we do is we split our presents into our own little sections. I don't know if that's just my family. So there was Michael's presents sitting over here, Andrew's my brother, Nicola my sister, and then my mum and dad by default had the, the small little pile sitting on their sofa. So, but this particular Christmas, there was one big box in the middle of the room, the perfect gift. So me and my brother ran in, slid, you know, power slide on the knees, ripped it open. Oh, PlayStation 1. Woo! The perfect gift. But you see, that's, even although it was the perfect gift and we'd wrote it on the list, there was still a level of it that was unexpected. We'd never done it before. We'd never asked for such a big gift. And it brings me to my first point which is the unexpected gift. Even although we'd wrote, we'd wrote it on our list and we'd asked for it, we still we weren't really sure if we were gonna get it. It did come as being an unexpected gift. Just wanna go to the next slide, David. So the unexpected gift. In fact, just wanna to turn to someone next to you and just talk about a scenario, maybe there's a gift that you dreamed of the big perfect gift, but yet you weren't sure if you were gonna get it. It was a bit unexpected, but you did. If you just wanna share that with somebody next to you just now. Right, guys, at the same time, when it, when it comes to Christmas, because we, because we had asked for that gift, when we saw that box in the middle of the room, we knew what that was going to be. And it's a bit like the usual Christmas presents you get. Nobody ever sees this shape under a Christmas tree. Does anyone want to take a guess what this is? A Toblerone. Who would, who would like a gift? Well, David, you were first. You want to come down, David? <laughs> Give David a round of applause. <laughs> David, could you just read out on this tag what it says? The unexpected gift. The unexpected gift. You just want to open it up and just, does it feel a bit light, does it? Oh, he's just, well, 
Are you anticipating? Have you got a bit of emotion? You're a bit excited about I love this? Toblerone. You love Toblerone? I love Toblerone. So it's a Toblerone box, but it's empty. Oh. Oh. But what's inside the envelope, David? What have you got? A £20 note. You can buy 20 Toblerones with that, David. Merry Christmas. Not a problem. You see, there was an unexpected gift. Even though he knew he, he kind of got that emotion, he knew he was getting something, but it was so much more than what was anticipated. And you see, as Alan brought last week, the prophecies that a child would be born we see in Isaiah 7:14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9:6, for us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. You see, God had started to set the scene. God had started to build up the anticipation. He started to say, who, who wants this gift? Here's the prophecy. Who wants this gift? And at, at that time, this was the perfect gift that God had planned. And as you read through the Old Testament, we start to see all these prophecies being built up. But then we see the gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament and without going into theology, I'm not here to do that, but the 400-year gap, there was this anticipation and emotion that was building up amongst God's people. And you see, it was the heart of every Jewish woman when they heard about these prophecies. The heart of every Jewish woman wanted to be the mother of the Messiah. It was in their heart that they believed that if the son was going to come and it was going to be of birth, that they would want to be the chosen one. They would want to be selected. And then we turn in the New Testament to Luke, and we introduce Mary. And I'm going to start in Luke 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, 
that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. You see, Mary had weighed in anticipation, as all the Jewish women had. She wanted to be the one that would be chosen. But yet it came to her unexpectedly. It was the unexpected gift that she received. We see that in that context when she says she was troubled at his saying, how can it be me? Why, why would you pick me, Mary? I'm just an ordinary Jewish lady. I'm just an orderly woman who likes to do the cooking and the, the gathering for food, the, the fire for the family. And it says that she's just an ordinary girl in her village. But yet, she was the chosen one. She had been chosen. She had received the unexpected gift. And it's not just the unexpected gift that Mary was chosen. It's the unexpected gift because of the way it happened. You see, God came down and he could have come in any way he liked as royalty, a conquering king. He could have been born to a queen. He could have been born in a beautiful palace. Because remember, as we see in John, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. His one and only son you would expect to be born of a queen. You would expect such wonderful things. But instead, we see that it is the most unexpecting gift and it is the most degrading way possible in a cold dark stable, wrapped in linen, was born in a feeding trough. How many people here have been born in a feeding trough? I'm pretty pleased to see no hands go up. But it was that unexpected gift. When my brother and I received that PlayStation, it was on our, on our list. We waited for it, we waited for it, but we still didn't expect to receive it. It very much was unexpected to us. And as a result of that, some of the people weren't happy. And my point too is that at the same time, this perfect gift that was unexpected then became the unwanted gift. The unwanted gift. And at Christmas time, Sometimes we receive unwanted gifts. And I've actually got a small video um, of some children receiving gifts that aren't really wanted by them. So it's quite funny. So if you ever look at this and if you need some pranks to play, then this is an excellent way to do it. Last week... Uh I issued a challenge. I asked the parents of America to put a, pull a little holiday trick on their children. We did this on Halloween with candy and got a lot of response to it. So we did it again, this time for Christmas. I asked parents to tell their kids they were going to let them open one present a few weeks early. But instead of a good present, I said, put something the kids won't like in the box and then upload a video of that to YouTube labeled, Hey Jimmy Kimmel, I gave my kids a terrible present. And a lot of people did do this and um, they did give their kids terrible presents and a lot of the kids surprisingly reacted poorly to that. 
Where'd you, where'd you get Charlie? I don't like this. Oh. What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? What are you doing? Pushing it. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. A battery and an onion. What's wrong? I don't want an onion. Did you smell your onion? Here, smell it. Marissa, what do you tell me all the time about my cooking? I love it. You love my cooking, so I made you something. So you don't want that peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I'll eat it! As you can see, there's some unexpected gifts. And at Christmas time, we all receive gifts that sometimes we don't want. Usually it's from the auntie and uncles, the socks and undies. How many people get socks and undies every single year for Christmas? But you see, sometimes we get an unwanted gift. Does anyone want to take a guess what they think this might be? What does it look like? A Toblerone. So who would like a gift? Come on, Isaac. In fact, this is actually appropriate for you. I just realized that. Just want to read in the tag what it says. The unwanted gift. The unwanted gift. What does it look like? What, is it? what do you think it is? A Toblerone. Right, open it up. Let's see what you've got. Do you remember what the unexpected gift was that David got? A 20 pound note. So you're feeling quite anticipated, you know, you're quite excited about what you're going to get here? You're buzzing. <laughs> oh, come on, if you take this long at Christmas, you must be lasting a long time, doesn't it? So you've got a Toblerone box, but just want to open up what's inside it. <laughs> what, 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 what have you got there, Isaac? have uh, Australia uh, box, boxers, are they? Yeah. Australian boxer undies. There you go. <clears throat> what I would say, Isaac, actually, is that I found them in Seth's room, so you might want to wash them before. <laughs> Don't worry, they're clean. But, you know, we all receive these gifts that are a little bit unexpected at times. And the first thing we do as we turn around and say, oh, have you got a gift receipt for that? But I've got some t statistics here that I looked up. 40% of the 
of the unwanted gifts we receive simply gets stored at the back of the cupboard. Who can relate to that? How many people go in their cupboard and they find a box and they think, oh, I got that at Christmas about six months ago. But then even better than that, 22% of the unwanted gifts then become re-gifts. We we've all been there that you don't like it, so you re-wrap it and you give it to someone. It just make sure it's somebody that hasn't already given you it. 6% have the cheek to ask for a gift receipt. I've never done that myself, but nowadays the shops usually ask you. The UK adult will receive on average two presents every Christmas that they do not want. Two presents. So if your wish list is only two presents, then unfortunately you're going to get nothing you want. But I remember our first year being married to Hannah, I thought I'd be a good husband. It was actually our birthday, so I'm cheating the system, but what happened was she needed a new phone. <clears throat> so I thought, I know what, I'll give her that perfect gift. I'm going to get her that new mobile phone. So what I should have done Hindsight's a great thing, is I should have taken my wife with me, let her pick the phone and taken it out for her. But instead, I thought, I know what I'm doing, I'm capable. So I went to the phone shop, made the first mistake by taking out Hannah's contract in my name, which we've regretted ever since. The second mistake was I bought her an HTC, wild, uh, HTC Desire phone, and she's an Apple girl. So that gift that I'd given her that came unexpectedly all of a sudden became unwanted. She, she used it though, till the contract ran out two years later. <laughs> but you see, the same thing happened in the Christmas message. We have Mary who received the gift unexpectedly, but God's people, some of them weren't happy, some of them wanted this gift receipt. They saw, they saw it from the aspect of it being unwanted. And God's own people got frustrated with it because when they were hearing about the prophecies and when they were hearing about this great Messiah that was going to come down to save them, in their mind, they expected immediately this warrior and triumphant king. But rather, Jesus came as a prince of peace. They expected a God of health and wealth to come to the nation. We see in Chronicles, it says, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from trouble and pain. But rather, Jesus came as a suffering servant and a, a living sacrifice. They expected a powerful physical kingdom they were going through a hard time in Israel. They were expecting a physical kingdom to come down and save them. It says in Haggai 2, for this is what the Lord's heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future of glory in this temple will be greater than its past glory. And in this place, 
I will bring peace, said the Lord of the heaven's army. But what happened? They got a humble leader in Jesus who didn't bring a physical kingdom, but instead brought the spiritual kingdom. And you see, God's people, some of them saw that as an unwanted gift. They couldn't see the big picture. And we see that if, you know, traditionally at Christmas time, we read the the Christmas message from Matthew, Mark, or Luke. But I wanted to turn to John just now. I just wanted to read what John says about it. And it says in John 1.11, and this is scary. This is scary when I read this. It says, he came to that of which was his own. So he came to his people, but his own did not receive him. Could you imagine expecting that gift? The gift is then presented to you, but they didn't want it. They did not receive him. And you see, God came deliberately to create a different path from the worldly values to create a godly value. And it says in Matthew 7, 13, 14, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, but many enter it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. So many will choose to reject the Savior and the perfect gifts. So many people will follow that path to destruction. And you can take the Christmas message and you can carry it right the way through to Matthew. And this is the first time Jesus is, some of the people have actually seen Jesus for the first time. And in Matthew 21, it says, So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on on, on his way. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he had came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Who is this? And the multitudes replied, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Let me reread that, but this time I'm going to replace it with the perfect gift. So when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. So God's people had been moved. And they declared, who is this? So the multitudes replied, this is the unexpected gift. This is the perfect gift. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. The unexpected gift had just arrived in Jerusalem. And people were in awe of him. The anticipation and emotion, they were so excited. But then less than five chapters later, we read that God's own people turned on him. 
They took that perfect, unexpected gift and they made it unwanted. You see, five or six chapters later, Judas betrays Jesus. And they want to crucify him. They want to kill him, but they can't do it. So they find, uh, they find Pilate, who's the Roman government emperor, and they find him so that he can do it because he has the authority. And he asks them, what then shall I do with Jesus? What then shall I do with this, this, uh, this unperfect gift? What there shall I do with this perfect gift you have received? It's broken. You know when you open a box and you've ran out of batteries or you open a box and you plug it in for the first time and it's not working? That's what they felt. What, what shall I do with this, this gift? And they all said, let him be crucified. Return him to the shops. He's unwanted. I want my gift receipt. You see, they rejected Jesus. They failed to see the true salvation of the unexpected gift. Rather, they saw it as being unwanted. You see, in the Gospels, Matthew is very much focused on the perfect gift and outlines the bloodline of the Messiah. Mark is what is described as the action part, the action-packed gospel. It's all about action after action that Jesus gets involved with. Luke is the doctor, so he very much talks about the human aspect of this perfect gift. But then in John, in John we read this. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Once again, let's insert Jesus there. In the beginning was the perfect gift. In the beginning was Jesus. And that perfect gift was with God. He was in the beginning with God. You see, that perfect gift, going all the way back, people failed to realize the fact that all these prophecies, the fact that Jesus coming the way he did, this had all been planned. God had, this was God's master plan. He had laid it out, the foundations, before the foundations of the earth had even been built. And we see, it says here that, and John, in the beginning was Jesus. And at Christmas time, we sometimes, the most frustrated, how many people get frustrated when you get that unthoughtful gift? You go to the shops and you think, oh, I've not got, I've not got my Uncle Derek anything yet. Oh, he quite likes cheese. And you just buy him a block of cheese. It's unthoughtful. You've put no thought into it. That's not what's happening here. This perfect gift had been thought out before you can even imagine God had this all planned, and it's so frustrating when you start to see people missing that. You know, this isn't a stocking filler. This isn't the little chocolate pennies or the, the orange that you get in your stocking. This is the big plan. It says in 1 Peter, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ, for he was foreknown before the foundation of the world 
So here we're reading the fact that the perfect gift, this unexpected gift of Jesus was known before the foundation of the world. But has appeared in these last times for the, for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. This Christmas, we all need that perfect gift. No matter what's on our list, we need to see the true value of salvation. And you see, Jesus shouldn't be looked at as being unwanted. Jesus shouldn't be looked at as being a gift receipt. He should be looked at as being a life-changing gift that we can all receive. He is that perfect gift. And the third point I want to make is that once we have an understanding of that, we then become the gift. And you see, I've got a third present here that's slightly bigger than the other two. Does anyone want to take a guess what this is? A, a bigger Toblerone, exactly. So, Andrew, your hand's already up, so do you want to come down and open this one? So, this one doesn't have a tag, but this one's becoming the gift. You just want to open that up. So, this one's slightly different. So, in there, you've got three Toblerones. Let me just open that up for you. But you see, this one's about becoming the gift. So, you have the honor of becoming the gift. And I would like you to go around the church and give those three Toblerones to other people. Okay? Don't worry. I'll, I'll, you're so kind, Andrew. Thank you very much. <laughs> David, just while Andrew's doing that, do you want to play the final clip? Just give them the... <laughs> Merry Christmas, sir. It certainly is, Lucy, since you have arrived. Look, I've put up with a lot since I got here, but this... We thought you were the witch. Yes. yes I'm sorry about that, but uh, in my defense, I have been driving one of these longer than the witch. I thought there was no Christmas in Narnia. No. Not for a long time. But the hope that you have brought your majesties is finally starting to weaken the witch's power. Still, I dare say you could do with these. Susan, 
trust in this bow, and it will not easily miss. What happened to battles are ugly affairs? <laughs> Though you don't seem to have a problem making yourself heard, blow on this, and wherever you are, help will come. Thanks. Peter. Time to use these. Maybe near at hand. Thank you, sir. These are tools, not toys. Bear them well and wisely. Now, I must be off. Winter is almost over. Things do pile up. And you've been gone a hundred years. <laughs> Long live Aslan. And Merry Christmas. It's a great movie, isn't it? You know, I love it because Lucy, when she gets given present she that's what she shouts she shouts presents yay whereas father christmas says to them these are tools these are tools for you you see they've received the gifts but the gifts they've received they are to go and use to share to protect others to share the good news and you know it's at this time of year we sometimes see an advert on the telly for the the little energizer bunny you know with the batteries in the back and it's promoting that he can go forever but like anything these perfect gifts that we receive at Christmas whether it's a PlayStation 1 whether it's a nice pair of undies for Isaac that they come to an end they don't go on forever but you see the true meaning of Christmas the unexpected gift that perfect gift never runs out even although we're in a position where we don't deserve it. It says in Romans 3, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But yet we see in Matthew 28, the great commission, therefore go, therefore take this perfect gift and go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. You see, this Christmas, it's a band when I just come back up, this Christmas, I just believe that we need to get a true understanding of that perfect gift. I just believe that we need to understand the commission, the salvation that we have, so that we can then go and share it with others. And I believe that there's three aspects here in church to snow. There is the unexpected gift. I believe there's people here this morning who, who are experiencing, <clears throat> experiencing this unexpected gift. They're not truly aware of what salvation is. And this may be the first time you've been to church. This may be the first time you've heard of salvation. 
But I believe you're experiencing that unexpected gift this morning. There'll be people here this morning who may have a frustration with God, who may want that gift receipt, who may look at it as being that unwanted gift. And I just believe that we need to change that. And here's the place and now's the time to do that. Jesus isn't a threat, but we need to believe and accept him in our lives. He's not here to, to judge you in the terms of that you're doing wrong things. He's here to wash away your sin. The price has been paid. But I believe there's people here who are becoming the gift. There's people here who they've got a hold of that perfect gift. They understand it. And they're, they're now in the mission field. They're now about to go out and do great things for Christ. So that's the three gifts this Christmas. The unexpected gift, the unwanted gift, and becoming the gift. And I just believe that if we can get a concept of that, then we'll truly understand what the perfect gift of Christmas is all about. Amen, yes. You know what, guys, let's just all stand up. Let's just prepare to sing this last song. Let's just prepare to, to write in our hearts that perfect gift. Let's just prepare to anticipate what God can do for us, the emotions that go through and around at this time of year. Let's just believe that this Christmas is going to be different. This Christmas is going to be better than any Christmas you've ever had. Who believes that today? Who believes that they can have the best Christmas they've ever had? Thank you.